0: Um, I'm Amy. I think most people know me. Um, I've been at St. Paul's for about 10 years now. and coming to Oasis. Hello, Christine. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And I'm married to Rob, and I have two little boys. Oh, not so little anymore. Um, Seven and two. Um, And in a previous existence, I was a professional musician. I'm not doing that so much anymore. I help out with the NHS for uh, working with uh, women with mental health problems. Anyway, uh, for anyone who wasn't here last week, uh, Caroline um, opened up this series. Uh, it's this book, yeah, Caroline, yeah, uh, called *The Jesus Lifestyle* by Nikki Gumbel. We actually did this several years ago, but it's based on Jesus' teachings, so you can't really get better than that. Um, and it's it's based on the Sermon on the Mount um, with the uh, blessed. Um, phrases that, which is known as the, the are known as the Beatitudes. So Caroline introduced that for us last week, and um, I'm going to continue. And thank you, Julia, for that last song because that bit we repeated ties in so well with with uh, what we'll be thinking about. Right. Uh, having said that, I'm going to start with Jesus's words. He's the very voice of God himself, and in fact, I could just simply stop at that, and we could go home and just get on with it. Um, however, Nikki Gumbel does bring some good things out of it for us, which unpack some of the meanings. Um, and then also, I've got a few thoughts of my own, which may or may not be useful. Um, but when I was thinking about this, uh, the subject sort of <laughs> was rounding my head, and there were loads of th- thoughts coming out, and it you know, it sort of, I got a, quite a buzz about thinking of the subject. So, the subject is how to change the world around you. So, you know, nothing big. Uh, (coughs) Anyway, I just want to, um, before we hear Jesus' words directly, uh, can we just have a a moment of quiet and I'd like uh, to, if we can just personally open our hearts to hear Jesus' words, both from the text and what he might be saying to each of us um, individually and corporately. So I'll just have a, a minute, perhaps, and I'll just do that. And be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So last week, Caroline spoke to us about the first four of the Beatitudes, these um, blessed statements. Uh, Broadly speaking, they were about our relationship with God, so that's the vertical relationship, whereas today we're thinking more about our relationship with or our behaviour towards others, which is the horizontal relationships, if you like. Um, reflecting on this, we begin to realise, if we haven't already, that our behaviour stems from our thoughts, which in themselves have their roots in our hearts, which is a much deeper place still. We often identify our hearts as being at the centre of who we are and having our hearts right with God is the first place to start. Hopefully, last week's thoughts have helped us move a bit further in that direction, uh, with the grace of God himself, of course, because there is no way we can get there by our own efforts. So firstly, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I'm sure most of us have heard this following statement many times, but I'll repeat it for the sake of those who haven't, and there is a reminder to the rest of us. So mercy is not giving somebody what they deserve in terms of a punishment for offences. And grace is giving someone what they don't deserve, and that's in terms of blessing and forgiveness. If I consider my own relationship with God, I'm incredibly thankful and relieved uh, that these two statements are true. It's because of the Father's great unconditional love for us that he cannot act in any other way towards us, his children. What does mercy look like on the horizontal level, the between you and me, or even between me and my worst enemy? Nicky Gumbel, in this book, cites the story of a police constable in Greater Manchester who set out to arrest a known terrorist. Instead, he was murdered by this terrorist, leaving his wife and three children. The grief was understandably profound, yet they and this man's father prayed for the murderer every single day. The father said, I will carry on praying for this man so that, first of all, he knows we have forgiven him, and also that he himself might find peace with God. That is mercy. And from time to time, we hear similar stories on the news when Christians make a conscious decision to act in the same way that they have experienced this powerful gift from God. It makes people sit up and ask why, and I think (coughs) you'll agree that that is one way to change the world around you. All right, the next one is, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So here, Jesus is asking us to have integrity to be open, sincere, and authentic in our relationships? What is our motivation in how we go about doing life? Do we have different masks for different situations or groups of people? Often people can have one persona for work and another for friends or family and still another for Facebook or Instagram. What are we trying to portray? What are we afraid of when we're not presenting the real self? When I think of a few times in my history when I've been cautious about just being me, I've ended up digging myself a big hole and wondering how I could possibly get out of it. So I've learned to be honest about who I am, and sometimes perhaps being too honest for our British temperament. So in other words, if you ask me how I am, I will probably tell you. And fine just doesn't mean anything. Nikki Gumbel asks us, Who are we when no one is looking? Perhaps the most challenging earthly relationship might be the one we have with our own self. We might all benefit from taking time to question our own hearts and motivations as we try to change the world. I confess that I personally find that very hard because I'm an extrovert and I love spending time with others, sometimes at the expense of making time to deliberate on the state of my heart and my spiritual health. Shane Claiborne, um, who's a completely amazing uh, Bloke who uh, uh, lives in Christian community and he's, he's quite out there, um, but so uh, committed to, to uh, Christ. Um, he says, <clears throat> I've met a lot of Christians who say, if people knew all about my struggles and weaknesses, they'd never want to be a Christian. I think just the opposite is true. If people knew that idiots like us, in all our brokenness and vulnerability, can be Christians, they'd know that each of them could give it a shot too. So, human beings value integrity. How often are people quick to condemn those who cheat the system in whatever way? Politicians are quite often in the firing line here. We don't like to see dishonesty or compromised behaviour. We have a strong sense of justice and we are quick to condemn others. Yet if we apply the same standards to ourselves, how well would we fare? Jesus is imploring us to come to him to restore the purity of heart that he created us to have in order that there are no stumbling blocks to us seeing God's heart and his longing for us to partner with him as we step out in faith to change the world. Number three is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Nicky Grimble in the book, calls us to peace at three levels. An inner peace, peace between people, and most important of all, peace with God. We will be called children of God because we will will bear the family likeness of our Father God because he is the ultimate peacemaker. That's a a lovely concept, really. We long for people around us to make peace with God for themselves, which brings in a peace that cannot be found in any other source. And so we're also called to bring peace between others. This peace is not just an absence of war or avoiding conflict. No, it might mean confrontation and pain in order for resolution to be reached. And this beatitude uh, always reminds me of my own sister. So I'll just tell you a little bit about her. Kate is a single woman who lives in one room with a shared kitchen and a bathroom in a priory in East London. It's run by nuns whose average age is about 85. (laughs) They provide accommodation at a small cost, to people who are involved in missionary work of all sorts, to enable them to just get on and do it without financial worries. Kate takes part in the morning and evening prayers, and these ladies have become her family. Kate is also someone who takes very seriously the importance of her spiritual health. She has a spiritual director, a mentor, and a triplet of close friends. So why am I describing that to you? Well, Kate's work is in the whole area of peace-building and conflict resolution. She's the last person to blow her own trumpet, but she's the executive officer of Creators of Peace, which is an international uh, organisation in the business of going into countries which have been ravaged by hideous atrocities in order to bring women together in what they call peace circles, in order to resolve conflict and bring about reconciliation and ultimately peace. She's constantly travelling quite a lot in French-speaking Africa to train women and coordinate work going on out there. Fortunately, she also speaks fluent French. Oh, and the other thing is she doesn't receive any salary, but she lives by faith for donations for her daily bread. I admire her greatly because she's so incredibly humble. She realises that peace needs to be at the bedrock of everything she does, whether that's her work or whether that is coming back to the Priory after an exhausting venture and committing time for spiritual refreshment. And yet, as with all of us, she's not finished yet. And I'm sure she wouldn't mind telling you that she has a real crippling fear of flying, which is a problem when she has to travel so frequently. And so I was thinking perhaps it's like Paul's thorn in the flesh, that it keeps her fully dependent on God for her strength and courage and for his peace as she brings peace to others. And she's cherished as a child of God as she changes the world and I wish I could be a bit more like her. (laughs) The final beatitude is, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think we've all heard very often that being persecuted for our faith in Christ in this country is not really the norm. We might be teased, or there may be a bit of discrimination. There have been court cases about people wearing crosses or fishes at work or refusing to bake cakes and so on. However, compared to the atrocities that some of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world face, we are extremely comfortable. Perhaps the call here is to be courageous in the same way that the pure in heart are. To be real, to be genuine, to stand up for truth, to love even when love hurts. To not succumb to small small compromises for an easier life. Nicky Gumbel says, we mustn't withdraw from the world into a Christian subculture But to get involved in our society, God got his hands dirty and chose to come and live among us in the person of Jesus, rather than remaining aloof in heaven, and he changed the world, and that's the biggest understatement in history. The next part of Jesus' captivating Sermon on the Mount has become one of my favourite verses in scripture, and indeed I mentioned it a few weeks ago when I was telling the story about my postnatal illness. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. I love the way that Jesus simply says, you are the light of the world. What I glean from this is that because we have the spirit of Jesus living inside us, even though we might be weak, failing, and at times utterly hopeless, somehow that light will shine through. Jesus also says elsewhere, apart from me, you can do nothing, which might sound like a negative statement, but in actual fact, it's hugely encouraging, as it means that needing to rely on him gives us access to the companionship and power of the Lord himself as we go out to change the world. Carrying that heavenly light, we simply can't ignore him or we'll fall flat on our faces. So when I was given the title of this talk, I had a barrage of thoughts about changing the world before I'd had a chance to even look at the book. So I'd like to change, uh, share some of those with you, so you can take them or leave them, or there might be just one thought that sticks in your mind to press into. So number one was be obedient. So um, for many years, I was a member of a missionary professional orchestra called the New English Orchestra. For I was totally vital to all our decision-making, and we would only go where we believed strongly that we were being sent. So it was often surprising with doors opening and closing in all sorts of unexpected places. When we went on tour, we would typically draw crowds of thousands as tourists and locals were somehow enticed by something in our music-making that we could not explain, uh, that they could not explain. <laughs> there were grown men who would sit there and weep. Uh, and when we went to Austria, it's very unusual because they're uh, culturally uh, even more perhaps stiff upper lip than we are. Uh, so, grown men crying was, was uh, unusual to see. Um, and here's an example of obedience. This is my other sister, uh, Hannah. She was once asked to perform an extremely uh, difficult virtuoso cello piece. Um, it, we went in um april uh and it was so freezing in those churches um so she was really freezing she also had a kind of bug and, and she just wasn't wasn't feeling great at all and her self confidence was rocky cuz she just wondered how she was going to play this and yet the music director um urged the audience to come closer to watch her so she was sort of sitting at the front and he she said come and look at her cuz she's going to do all this really clever stuff and she was just Terrified about this. <clears throat> um, and then she played, and then straight afterwards, in her mind, she was just having horrible battles. She thought, Oh, I've played so badly, I've let everyone down, I'm just useless, you know, all those negative thoughts that sometimes come and taunt us. Um, <clears throat> However, at the end of the, the uh, concert, uh, a lady came up to her and she said, that she'd lost her faith for many, many years, and had just wandered into this concert. And she said, when you were playing, I found my father again. Uh, and Hannah realized that it was nothing to do with how she felt about her playing, but she'd got up there and done it out of obedience. And she well, God had changed this lady's life through her music, and not out of any words spoken or anything. That was pretty precious. Um, Often we'd come back from Salzburg and Austria and we'd be asked by folks back home if the tour had been successful. And all we could say was, well, we prayed, God sent us, we were obedient to the call, and we came home again. And we will never know how much we changed the world around us in that place. But then sometimes God has let us see some uh, evidence. And uh, recently there was a kind of a massive (laughs) breakthrough to this. As uh, we'd been going to... Salzburg um, every pretty much every year for 40 years not me personally because I would have been uh, six months old but, um, <clears throat> um, and Salzburg uh, is very complicated in terms of its history there's a lot of uh, stuff to do with Mozart and him being sort of glorified and um, and then there was a lot of stuff to do with Nazism and uh, and the churches are just all over the place. Uh, There's so much conflict and division between them. Uh, And then a few years back, there was uh, incidences of uh, sexual abuse. And yet there's just a lot of not great stuff going there. Um, Yeah. So there's always been a great calling to go to that place and minister into those things. Um, And then after we, we hung up our her coats, as it were, um, I heard from Yolanda, who's who's not here today, um, that she was going out to Salzburg, because she has family there, um, for a big conference about the Holy Spirit. And actually, a lot of the churches just avoid the Holy Spirit. Um, and she said, oh, 18 of the churches are coming together for this conference, uh, which was ex- completely extraordinary. And she said it was amazing, and there was so much community and, and healing going on. Um, And we'd gone year after year, and just out of obedience, and finally something broke up in the spiritual realm, and the the kingdom of God came into that city. Um, You know, so I I then spoke to the director and said, you never guess what's happened. (laughs) And he knew, he said, we went, we did what we were supposed to do, and that's it. So I think what I'm saying is, being obedient might not always be an easy ride. And you might not see any results. But if you follow God's call, you can guarantee he will be doing something. Um, and he'll be changing the world. <clears throat> and I think when we get to heaven, we'll see some of those things. And it would be great to meet some of the people that, uh, that God's touched through us unbeknown um, to us. Right, uh, next one. Um, changing the world around you is the title of this, this talk. Uh, and it can be just that, just where we are. Um, I know Jonathan's pre- preached on the Great Commission uh, many times, but um, it, it struck me that when Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples, uh, Jesus, says, uh, sorry, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan helpfully explains that in the Greek, this actually means as you go. So it's, a not, an extra, it's not an instruction to necessarily go somewhere overseas, or um, it's just as you are going along your life. Make disciples, so that's about you know just being like Jesus and talking and, and so on. Uh, so you don't have to jump on a plane, um, although there's some ladies here who go off to Uganda to deck and I'm sure other people have have, have gone to uh, different places um, <clears throat> to be witnesses for Jesus. But some of some of, uh, might be just just staying at home. It might be in your place of work school gates at your home to your family members Um, and some people are are stuck at home due to illness they can be the light to their carers of other family members by the way they cope with their illness and how their faith in God can help them through that Um, so that's yeah you don't feel I think oh well I can't go anywhere therefore I can't do anything right number three time if we're going to change the world we need to surrender our time that is hard. We quite often feel that we don't have enough time for our own immediate concerns, never mind those of others. However, have you ever tried asking God to bend time for you? It's very interesting. I remember specifically doing this one day when I was working as a youth worker in Southam back in the 90s. I felt I had so much to do and I'd never get it all done. Yet I said to God that morning, okay, I just cannot imagine how I'm going to accomplish all this today. So I'm asking you to make the time stretch so it's possible. And he humoured me, I think. There I was, I was striding down the street in a hurry to get somewhere, I can't remember where it was, Um, and I spotted a lady sitting on the bench um, outside the, well, yeah, on the main street, it's all different now in Southam. Um, And I recognised her, she was somebody who sort of popped into church now and again, um, but she never really stayed long. Um, She'd had quite a lot of problems, and potentially she might want to talk a lot about them. And I did not have time for that. But I knew that God was asking me to go and sit with her and chat to her, and so I did. She was quite surprised that somebody would give up their time for her. But it was a really helpful conversation. She actually blessed me too. Anyway, it wasn't my time to give. It was God's time. The rest of the day, I felt I was walking on a fluffy cloud of calm, and I got everything done that was needed. What a good lesson. Um, if you were here when we did the <coughs> John Ortberg Soul Keeper DVD uh, series, um, you might remember this statement by Dallas Willard, who was his kind of mentor and, uh, uh, yeah, in- incredible, um, incredible person, really. Um, he says <coughs> that we should ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives for hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our world today. I was thinking that when we hurry, we're probably quite deaf to the still small voice of calm that is God's, and we desperately need to hear that. So that's um, something to try and somehow get hold of. Number four, obstacles we may have. What other obstacles have we got that get in the way of us changing the world? There might be some real practical obstacles, such as health problems or uh, commitments to family or others, but actually we can still do small things. Mother Teresa herself said, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. And I think we'll all agree that she changed the world around her, and the world in general, probably, <laughs> from her, as she inspired others. Um, There's some other suggestions of obstacles here that maybe we can work on with God's help. Things like filling our time, just with bits and bobs here and there. Our possessions, which can uh, be a, a distraction. Worry, hurry, busyness, work, striving for more and more, pointless entertainment, technology, social media... And then also, sort of within ourselves, things like anger and jealousy, self-pity, selfishness, self-serving ambition, past baggage, relationships. There's, there are so many things. Um, <clears throat> and um, probably you can, you can think of a few for yourself. Maybe there's just one thing or a couple of things that maybe you'd like to focus on. Say, oh yeah, that's, that's a bit of an obstacle for me, or... That's actually a really severe obstacle. If there's something that's really difficult for you, then don't um, hesitate to seek out prayer or prayer ministry, either here or at the well, because um, some of these things can really get in the way of a, our freedom, our ability to uh, to have peace within ourselves, and then to you know to uh, change the world. <laughs> but we're all works in progress, as we know, and. As Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Just because you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit who is Jesus in you, you, each one of you, is carrying this radical, enticing, loving, challenging, magnetic, compassionate, enlightened, powerful God and a million other adjectives. With that inside you, how can you not change the world? Anyway, I got myself very excited by thinking about all of you. And I thought, "Hmm, what if each of us could identify one one way in which we could step out just a bit further with the passion of callings that are on our hearts? I don't know how many women are here today, 30, 40, something like that. Um, But I think between all of us, we could make a real impact around us based on what we've been hearing. What I'd like to do now is a slightly interactive thing. And that is, if you know, can just get together in twos or threes. Um, Yeah, no more than that, really, because there's too many people to to get around otherwise. And, and, And if you're happy doing this, there's two questions I'd like you to consider. The first one is try and recall one way in which you have changed the world in a small way or a big way. Okay, and the answer I haven't is not an option. All of you have made a difference. Okay because you are the light of the world. Uh, so it's not about being, oh, no, no, I'm, I couldn't do that. You know um, Okay, we've all done something, even as something as small as an act of kindness to somebody needing it. Share those with your friends here. That will be encouraging for them and yourself. And then the second question is, kind of looking forward, what would you love to be empowered to do to change the world now and onwards? And what needs to happen to make that possible? So it might mean you need some support from others. There might be some things inside you kind of need to sort out with God. Um, You might need to just ask God, I don't know, how can I change the world? Um, But if you could do that, and then we'll come together, and I'd like to share those things on here, and hopefully we'll have pages and pages of ways in which we're going to change the world. Um, But I just think that would be incredibly encouraging um, and exciting. And then when you go into small groups, you could maybe talk about those things and say, this is what I really like. And how can your small group support you? Obviously through prayer, but there might be other ways or they might know somebody. Oh, I know someone who's doing that. Maybe we could introduce you or whatever it is. Um, So I'll give you a a few minutes um, and and see how that goes. Um, How long have we got, Caroline? How long have we got? Ten minutes. Okay, so we'll... Try five minutes and then five minutes coming back together. Brilliant. Thank you.